0: Hey, what's happening? This is Miles Kennedy from Alter Bridge, and you're listening to Focus on Metal.
1: Hey, Metal Ed, Scott here. And me again. And we are back for the final week of Focus on Metal for 2019. And also, as I said last week, the final week before we go on our well-deserved winter break where we try our best not to do too much on the show. I think we always end up doing something. But it's a way of, I don't know, at least for me, selfishly, I don't have to mix anything for a few weeks. And uh, that's good. And just trying to recover from... Uh, just kind of the hell that, that November and December becomes with uh the with the day job and everything with the show and it, its craziness. Yeah, life. <laughs> exactly. But uh yeah, you know, once again, Richie's uh across from me on the mixing desk and uh, ready to bring you a couple of great interviews this week. We have uh talk backstage with Kip Winger up at uh, Tupelo in Derry and also a talk with Miles Kennedy about the brand new Alterbridge album that's out there as well so two good things to wrap the year out but uh before we get to that i thought maybe we would weave a little discussion in and out of the show this week and uh i think probably the big thing that's been rattling in my brain is the i know we talked about it what maybe a year ago or whatever
2: no no before we get into that uh, you're talking about the reunions uh, the big reunions dirty big looks reunions? dirty looks that's the big reunion that's that's <laughs> blown off the internet isn't it our, our bullet boys, they're getting back together, really. Yeah, the four original guys are getting why? back. <laughs> 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 they did, they, they announced um shows next year.
1: Oh, why are they going to put out a new song called Break Up in You and then stop? I mean, I don't
2: know. Um, can Mark Corian <sighs> sing those songs <sighs> with the other guys? There was a lot of bad blood there when they broke up yeah. for a long time, man. yeah. Um, I know Mick Sweet and Mark Torian a little while back had a picture the two of them together and yeah. they were hugging. You know, it was basically a hug fest. Uh-huh. And, oh, <laughs> time heals all wounds. Yeah, and now there's a picture of the four of them and they're all getting back together. And um,
0: uh-huh.
2: so a Skid Row, I think, are the only ones left. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have um, Bang Tango, <laughs> another big one. The, the original band are getting back together for shows. Oh really? You gotta wonder about cool. these bands like what what's the market for them? Bang Tango's pretty small. What yeah. about Bullet Boys? What are where are they what are they gonna do? Go on a pa on a small package tour with yeah, Enough's have enough to. and uh they would have someone to. else? I don't know. Enough enough's
1: enough has got cult following.
2: Yeah, there's really only do. one guy. It's only Chip, isn't it? it? Is.
1: Yeah, it is. But they've got a they've got a cult following and it's not the I don't know. Even back in the day, the Bullet Boys was doing small tours.
2: Um, well, the sh- one of the shows they um, they announced was Rat. Of course, it's just Stephen and Juan and the other yeah. three guys, and then Lita Ford and in small writing on it as well. Bullet Boys, all original members. Is that what the bill is on the twenty third
1: of next year? No, this year.
2: What this do you month. Mean? The twenty third. Yeah,
1: like Foxbro.
2: Oh, for Rat? Yeah. No, no, no. That's oh, all th- right. no, that's um, they're playing Wallies, and well, that's another thing. We'll, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, I put it up on the Facebook page today. So we all we talk a lot about ticket prices, and we're going to get into that in a minute with the other band we're going to talk about. So Rat played a gig in Wallies in Hampton Beach. Yeah. And it was on a Friday night. Okay. And it was fifty-five dollars. Was the standard fee okay? Okay, plus fees, and then they were playing this place in Foxborough, which is probably an hour and a half south of uh, Hampton Beach. Yeah, and it was thirty plus fees. Yeah, so there's a forty-six percent difference in price, and that was on a Monday night. Now the the thirty-dollar gig, but
1: yeah, I think they also there's more seats. I think in that place in Foxborough,
2: that's that's a huge difference. Because that was I
1: think it's the what used to be Showcase
2: Live. Yeah, but it's a still a huge difference in price. 46% more for, for Wallys?
1: Yeah, well, even, I mean, you know, the night we're, we're sitting down to recording this, I mean, the there was, uh, what, uh pre-sale for uh, Black Label Society in, in Webster.
2: Yeah, how much is it?
1: 39 bucks a
2: ticket. For Black Label? Uh-huh. What is going on with ticket prices?
1: But I don't know if I feel like driving two hours to Hartford. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And who are they out with? Obituary, isn't it?
1: Obituary and then somebody else, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, well. And then it's general admission, because I'm thinking, well, I get there late.
2: $39 there for, for Black, Black BLS, Label but I'm like, If
1: I get there late, I'll be way in the back. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
2: What is going on with ticket prices
1: Yeah, I was surprised at that one, but yeah.
2: <sighs> That's a rescheduled show, too, isn't it? I think they were rescheduled. Rescheduled
1: from the uh, Palladium?
2: Yeah, they were supposed to play shows, I think, a little while back and they rescheduled them mm, for early in the year. Be. Wow. 39 yeah. plus fee, so you're looking at $50 to see Black Label.
1: The whole thing, two tickets came out, uh, would have been 98 bucks.
2: Oh, no. That's too expensive.
1: <laughs> wow. Two tickets?
2: For Black Label. $100. All in. 39 I think, is too much for Black Label, anyway. You don't think so? No. Definitely not. In a club? Is it a shithole? It's like a theatre. It's like an opium kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Be interested to see now when the last time they played here, how much the promoter charged?
1: Probably more. Probably more? I don't don't know.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the other band that have reunited. The (laughs) one that, when we talked about a couple of years ago, Uh Uh-huh. Um... I didn't believe they were done. Uh-huh. I said, "I don't care what contract they sign. Yeah. Uh, they're going to come back." Yeah. And of course,
1: that's Motley Crue. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'll, I full disclosure: come Monday, I will probably be trying to get tickets.
2: You're not, oh No. Oh, yeah, no, Nick wants to go. <laughs> All right. I well In Fenway. In Fenway. Yeah. Okay. So you're. you're t- Have you looked up the prices yet? Are they are they up? They're not up. Not up yet. No. As of recording this, they're not up. Okay. So, general question: Can a band end well? Can a band end well? Yes. Ne- other than Rush. Damn, that was my example, right? right? Other Shit. than Rush, can a band end uh, well?
1: Um, I bet the Stones will. That's kind of a little bit out of our genre. I mean, there's not a lot of bands that finish up with all original members either because otherwise you'd think about like, uh, you know, you could see Anvil ending well or something like that, but there, there's just been so many members in the band. Um, you know, I'm sure that some of these bands that are over in Europe bands like Hammerfall and stuff like that, they'll yeah, probably won't be an acrimonious thing. They'll just be like, yeah, it's, it's time kind of a thing. Well, I can, I can see that.
2: A lot of bands are like professional athletes. Yeah, they stay too long at the party. Um, they end up in the they end up needing help. They they end up like tapes and tracks and one original guitar tech is the reason they're still out there. That kind of a deal.
1: Yeah, I they, sure.
2: Right. Um. The other question I have is the only is, thing
1: is is that you know professional athletes if they're well known then they' they've got the option of trying to get into like broadcasting or doing something else, and a lot of those guys also have at least have a degree behind them too, mm. like a lot of them got drafted from college and all that, and so they've got some other thing there it's had to say, say to say it, but a lot of musicians I mean they're getting out of high school, they're just playing their asses off, they're doing the touring circuit, they don't have a lot of stuff backing up behind them either, so it's it's tough it's their own fault, you know it's their own fault. Well, either you get out there when you can, or you miss the boat.
2: Well, look at Ellison. Ellison went back to school.
1: Ellison had the funds to go back to school.
2: Well, well, that's their own fault you know as well I mean? for kind not investing like the money properly in the first place. It's not Whatever just investing the
1: money; it's whether you've made the money. He made the money, just just like um, just like Duff did. He made the money.
2: Duff's a smart guy, and client. he
1: was able to put it back in. But a hmm. lot of these other bands, these guys, they don't—they're not making the money to to put it away.
2: Hmm. What about the, the question of legacy? Do bands give a shit about their legacy anymore?
1: I think there's bands out there that do.
2: Sure. Not all, not all of them, though. Some of them just paycheck, paycheck, paycheck. Sure. Hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, money talks.
2: Yeah, like Motley. The only reason Motley are back together is the money. They, they can spin it whatever they want.
1: Oh, I know. The whole Netflix and all that crazy yeah. is bullshit.
2: Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that, right? Uh. Did the movie have an impact? Yes, it did. Of course it did. Um, Do you think, are there a lot of young Motley fans now clamoring for the band to come back? Highly unlikely. No. No. Highly unlikely, and I'll tell you why. Um, That movie sold because of the hedonism in it and the controversy surrounding it, the book. They even toned some of it down. Oh,
1: it's it's completely toned down. If
2: any kid watches that... They're not watching it to see Motley play music. The music is not,
3: is, the oh, yeah, no, I, I, would,
1: I would agree with that. I would also say that I've had very few younger people talk to me about the movie, but I've had a lot of people that are like 40 and older talk to me about it that weren't like Motley fans. And now then they're, they're asking me all kinds of questions and stuff. And that's like, the market that they've grabbed is people that were like, "Well, I kind of missed the boat on this band," and it's kind of like the movie isn't even doesn't even go into
2: order. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're a young kid and you go see Motley Crue, what are you expecting to, to do? There's like Mick Mars is seventy, right? Uh-huh. He's in his, I think he's in his early seventies, right? Nicky Six is in his sixties. I think Tommy Lee's a couple of years younger. Vince Neil is around sixty as well. Yeah. You're gonna have these middle-aged men running around stage. What to expect them to do? Snort lines of coke and well, sh- be, shag a load of women. It, and...
1: It'll be interesting because they're, you know, they're out with with a couple other big bands. So there's the whole spectacle aspect, right? And how much spectacle can they bring when they're sharing a stage? When they're set up? When there's all that? It isn't like it's a motley. You know, headlining plus some other band kind of a thing, where they're able to have the lion's share of things, and they can they can do all the things they were doing. So it's going to be, you know, what are they going to do to to bring that expected motley spectacle back mm. when they're doing this? You know? Well, I just mean all the, you know, they were having, you know, like the drum roller coaster. Well, you can't have that when you are on a bill with three other bands that are big bands. It's like
2: they did with Kiss. I think when I saw them, they had the whole they had the whole stage set up.
1: Then, but you're also out with a band that's also counting on, that's doing spectacle. So there's a stage that's been designed around to do all that too. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's a little bit more to it than that. But then you've got, you know, Def Leopard isn't spectacle. And they've got a stage is set up in a different in a different way. And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, you know, which thing are you going to do? What are you going to see? And, and you know, I mean, Molly did kind of have some stuff where they did a few, you know, like Nicky, you talk about Nicky getting up there and stuff. Well, he starts wearing like, he costumes himself up with these giant ass boots too. That he's was kind of like, well, he's not moving fast because he's got these giant claw, hopper boots and stuff. And he's kind, ca- he's kind of set himself up to be able to just kind of stumble around and not run around, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, yeah, if I get tickets, it'll be interesting. When did you
2: see them first?
1: Oh, I can't even remember. You, you saw him in
2: '87, didn't you? In the White, with White Snake, didn't you? It was, it was back. It was, it was early days. Yeah, I had to wait back. until I moved here to see him. Yeah, and then it was with Kiss and with Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. I think, um, but like Vince can't sing. <laughs> this is the ho- this is the whole thing about this band. That, and they've only been gone what five or six years. They're, it's not as if they've been gone for twenty years. Yeah. Um, I, I, he can't sing. No, he can't sing. He's dreadful. Yeah. Um, all you got to do is listen to his solo shows I was going to
1: say even when he was doing his solo shows it was like
2: that's bad he's overweight way o- he's way overweight yeah um, which you know which is definitely affecting his singing voice yeah um, I'm sure he's going to have to lose weight um, I I genuinely believe that the other two bands are going to blow Motley off the stage De- Def Leppard are a professional act yeah um, I've seen Leppard 12 times um, they're just a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and then I mean I don't know. Poison will just phone it in. I don't even. I, no, we, I don't,
1: we don't even. We're not even going to see Poison. It's like
2: well, whatever. no. But I, I saw Poison once. You know? Um, with Def Leppard. Yeah, see, I'll there, imagine all that. these bands play with each uh-huh. other over and over again. Um, but uh, yeah. So the the ticket prices is, is is interesting because if you're a fan of a band, right? And I'll throw this out there, like a fan. Uh huh. Can you get a front row seat at face value without the VIP package? Or, or, no, you think, no way. I think that's, Can't be done. I think that's ridiculous. Um, I put it up on the Facebook page and some people went after me and a lot of people were like, you're fucking kidding me. There was the wild side package for, for was 4,950 plus fees, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And so that's for one seat. And then someone mentioned that it was <clears throat> two meet and greets, two electric guitars, two hundred twenty-five dollars worth of merch, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, but it's five grand plus fees. Yeah, you get a front row seat.
1: Yeah, and, and then you get, and get and two. I'm two sure, meet- like, and I'm sure like people go, oh, a couple electric guitars. But a lot of times, you you like, okay, they gave you like, you know, you get these two Fender Squires.
2: Yeah, but they yeah, never like played them. A
1: piece, you know? If the
2: band played the guitar on stage right. that night, uh-huh. they might say, okay, Mick Mars played this. Right. Phil Collin played this. Right. They're just lining up all these standard guitars. Mm-hmm. They're all coming and signing them all, saying, here's a signed guitar. Mm-hmm. And the guy might have even gone strummed it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm thinking, five grand. Like, and then there's Joe. You can meet Joe Elliott for two uh-huh. um, and have a and a with him. Uh-huh. And then you can meet Def Leppard for, I think it's seventeen fifty. Yeah. So every single band have all these packages. Right. So if you're a fan who wants to go to the stadium and sit as close as you can, you're probably going to be six or seven or eight rows back by the time you get to someone who can actually buy a seat. Oh, it's be for the, the back. Or the back that's what I mean. Like, be back than so if you're a fan of the band. You're fucking. You're going further and further back because they're fucking fleecing you, because they want the money out of you for the VIP. Yeah, you got you. You're you're definitely getting further. So the real fans get fucked. Yeah. Because people who are in the front just have the money and they might know fucking one song. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple bands that aren't
1: like that. Like you know, I mean, with Maiden, you know, they're not really doing that. It's just with Maiden they're so freaking popular that you know the seats just sell like crazy. I mean, I got a couple of rows forward of where I was on the prior tour, and I was literally in there, like, the first minute.
2: Do Maiden do meet and greets? I don't think so. No. They've never fleeced the fans like that. Um, But this tour, when you're looking at it so far, it is so... It's well-organized. It has different packages on it, and it is just, to me... As a fan, yeah. it is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> um, I could meet Joe Elliott and Def Leppard, and to meet Joe, it's going to cost me two, and then if I want to meet the band, and and the thing that th- we've all talked about, meet and greets before, this meet and greet thing is, you stand there in front of a fucking sign that says Def Leppard or whatever. Yeah. They take a picture, you shake their hand, fuck off next, Yeah. $1,750. Yeah. I'm like, re- yeah, that's your meet and greet. <laughs> now, if you, listen, if you want to pay it go ahead but I just think it is complete money grab yeah we're absolutely ridiculous now you're going to go right I'll probably now I tickets yeah I'm not going to pay yeah I might get hooked up because I know the PR person P. Yeah. Leopard and if I don't I'm like okay I yeah. don't because they played here um the summer of your last they played here with Journey yeah and I Leopard are one of my favorite bands right and I didn't go to that and I love Journey as well um, another reason I didn't go is I heard Fenway is a dump to see gigs. That's yeah, it's it, baseball it was, stadium. It was,
1: it's, it was. Um, yeah, I, I had tickets for that. I just didn't end up going. It was, it was shitty that day. It was raining and shit. And it was okay, yeah. Like, eh, so okay, I didn't. We just didn't end up going.
2: Yeah, but people are going to pay it. Um, I wish, I hope Motley are good. I genuinely do. But, yeah. Wow, well, all the signs do not point to a good motley show without a lot of help yeah well, like i
1: said she wants to go we'll have a good time no matter what mm. so it's like all right fine
2: yeah the one thing i did find out and if it's true and i get hooked up is uh motley are the last band on so mm. when leopard are over i can go home <laughs> and i will go home yeah <laughs> i've no i've I've no interest in seeing motley crew live anymore zero yeah i've seen them twice since i moved here i'm good yeah i'm good you know i mean
1: last time i saw him besides vince's voice they were really good Mm. um and that was considering the fact that i was it was the day before i was going for root canal and every every boom was like exploding in my head from tooth pain Mm. and i still had a good time
2: i do feel sorry for and this is the farewell tour thing in, in general but I genuinely feel sorry for people who spent a shitload of money on Motley Crue's last tour. Mm-hmm. A shitload of money. Yeah. And because th- by all accounts they were done. Right. And now they're getting fucked. Right. Yeah, And now they're getting fucked again because it's a shitload of money now to go and see him again. I yeah. genuinely feel bad yeah, for those people. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that definitely is, uh, is a shitty part. Mm.
1: So first thing up we have on the docket this week, besides discussion, is uh, you went out and um, and hung with uh, Kip Winger up at uh, the Tupelo.
2: Yeah, that was it um, was a pleasure for me to do it. I'm a huge fan. We we haven't had Kip on since Better Days Coming about like five years ago. Yeah, um, it's been a long time, and uh, I just hit up the uh, the publicist. Um, any chance I could do an interview after you know at the yeah. show? Yeah, and um, it was supposed to be beforehand. Mm-hmm. It, it was weird because the show was at, what's great about the two blows, the show was at seven. Yeah. And I got an email back saying he can do it 10 minutes before the show. And I'm like, <laughs> 10 what? Ten minutes before. And then after the show, uh, it got changed. To, and I was, I was fine with that, but I knew he still had to do the meet and greet. Yeah. So he was literally off stage five minutes. They mm-hmm. brought me back. Yeah, I said I'm, I'll spend about ten minutes with you, and I think I spent like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, we actually talked about quite a bit of stuff. Um, and he offered to uh, do a phone interview, which I will take him up on in the new year. Yeah, I already have something I want to talk to him about. Um, it's hopefully, in the heart of the young is thirty years old. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get into that with him. Um, but great guy. he, ma- he mentioned that. They were writing a new record. Uh, There's clip's out there now of him and Reb in the studio. Yeah. So they're actually doing it. Uh, One busy guy. (laughs) Yeah. One talented fucking dude. I've been a fan of his since 88. Their debut album blew me away. Yeah. And And he's uh, even out
1: there. He's not just writing, you know, rock. He's doing symphonies. And then he's, as we find out in the interview. Musicals. he's, He's naming bands. But yeah, we'll, But we'll get into that in the interview, because <laughs> uh, I have to re-edit the whole thing, because <laughs> I was like, oh, we can't have them say the name of the band, so I'll edit it all out and be all clever, and then Reggie tells me, oh, they announced it over the... So I was like, fuck, really? Now, mm-hmm. I gotta, now I'll re-edit it back so we don't like meatballs. I have so, to say, uh, I'm looking you know.
2: forward to that Black Swan record, big yeah. time. Uh, singles out there, I think it's fucking amazing. Macaulay, fellow Irishman, mm. sounds fantastic. Oh, he always does. Um, it's got Reb on, It's a fucking killer band. Yeah. It's got Jeff Pilson doesn't mail it in. No. No. Um yeah, that should be good. It sounds be good. hopefully shows. Yeah. Hopefully shows.
1: We'll so, see. Uh, what do you say we uh, we roll your interview with Kip? Sure.
3: Hey this is Kip Winger and
2: you're listening to Focus on Metal. Alright, so I'm backstage with Kip Winger. After doing
3: an acoustic show.
2: Okay, so what made you pick Mike Shipley for
3: the pull record? <clears throat> We heard a band called Strange Ways. We were touring somewhere, and we heard a band called Strange Ways, and we're like, who the fuck did mix that? It sounded so good. Uh-huh. We didn't know who Mike was. We go, who is this Mike Shipley guy? And then we, we figured out, we contacted him, and then then I figured out who he was. When I started working with him, I figured out he would basically done every one of my favorite records, from Thomas Dolby to Def Leppard. And him and I became fast, instant friends and we were really good friends for a long time right up until he died actually
2: Mm -hmm. and was he the only choice for
3: Paul? totally totally yeah 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 yeah. yeah. i mean we didn't want anyone else i mean i didn't need a producer okay you know and mike mike um well mike co-produced the record but if you listen to the demos i mean exactly the same Mm. he just made it sound like nobody could he was the Picasso of uh, mix engineers and, you know just engineers in general mm. what,
2: what was your vision for that record like did yeah, you, really did, you hear. did you have a vision and you got Mike in to, to get that vision or how did that all the work? vision
3: if you listen to the demos that's the vision I mean it sounds exactly like the demos I, mean, I, I made the demos and then we made the records exactly the same well it sounds way better mm. now when I interview basically what I'd say about Mike is that I, I learned how to make a record from Mike Mike, Mike taught me how to hear things okay you know um he taught me because he kept doing tracks he's to he was going you're rushing or with reb or you're dragging you're rushing and we couldn't i was like i can't hear that what are you talking about (laughs) and then all of a sudden like when you stare at a black light poster long enough and it turns 3d yeah it's like and i was never the same after that Hmm.
2: Was that immediate from the very from
3: the from? The, did you get that from the pre-production? No, it was when we were recording the tracks. Okay, I couldn't. It was all of a sudden. It transformed my hearing, and also like how to how to do the the you know microphone line. You know, like all the all the like engineering tricks and stuff like that. No, I mean I don't know all his tricks. I mean he was a genius. I mean there's no way you could ever get inside of his head. <laughs> but stuff like which mic pre to use and like you know, that kind of stuff. Like simple philosophical things about making a record where most people get bogged down and twisting all these knobs and doing all this bullshit. Mike just put a mic in front of you, stuck it through a preamp with no EQ, and placed the mic in the right place and you know, we tracked the whole album like that, and it was it was godlike. I and mean, the guy's fucking—he's I mean, a complete genius. <laughs> when, I, when I interviewed, there's no Reb, one like him. There'll never be anybody like when him. When
2: I interviewed Reb, he said he was a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, yeah, because, because
3: because he was busting Reb on on not being able to play in time.
2: Yeah, he said you're Russian. He'd just go dum dum dum, and he said you're Russian And Reb was like, "I'm only just started."
3: Right.
2: And and. The one thing Rod said to me was, um, he said he was playing ghost strokes on the drums. Now, I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And Rod said, I don't play him. And he said, come here behind the glass. Right. And he played it back and he said there was ghost strokes everywhere. So he made him play the drums by putting his hand up over his head and hitting the snare drum. Yeah. Like his hearing must have been incredible.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a genius. I mean, you know, I don't give that word out much,
2: mm. you know. So
3: what do you take
2: from him then? When you're writing your classical stuff, or, or, or like the musical you did get Jack, is there something in particular that Mike taught you that you you bring into that?
3: No, only only how to record. Okay. Nothing musically. Okay. Musically, that record was all me. mm mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mean to take away from the band, but I was. Well, Reb wrote a lot of the me and Reb wrote the songs, you know, the the rips and stuff. So it was me and Reb, you know, musically, but but reb largely plays uh riffs and then you know leaves and then i'm left to finish it all you know? okay because he doesn't write lyrics he reb is writes great melodies anything musical rebs stevie wonder i mean he's amazing mm, mm. so but but i'm always left to you know finish off all the sub okay and i don't mind it because that's what i do best you know? mm. i don't I gave up trying to be a great instrumentalist many, 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 many years ago, you know. I can play I can play what I need to play well and I play better than most people, but I'm no Billy Sheehan, you know. Uh-huh. And I don't wanna be. Um I mean Billy is, you know, one of a kind and there's many bass players that outplay me, but I don't my thing is writing and arranging, you know.
2: Okay. Now, you've done the band, you Alice Cooper, you did Winger, you've done your solo stuff, you've done a musical, and you've done this classical stuff. Like,
3: what's left to prove for you? And it's funny that you say that, man. Um, Because in the dark ages, when the Beavis and Butthead and all that shit went down, I felt like, okay, I I can't let it end this way, you know? Mm -hmm. People actually thought I was a shitty musician, which is the irony of my whole life. I mean, (laughs) I was... You know, I pride myself on music. That's all I cared about. I, the rock star part was cool, but I knew it wouldn't last, and that the music was all I really ever had. Wow. And, when the, and when the band, when the '80s crashed, it was really all I had was the music. You know, so my my thing was like, I can't let it end this way. I got to prove myself. So that, you know, prove myself after having sold millions of albums. You know, I was like, okay, how do I how do I do this? And I just went back to the music, and I and I thought, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I what I want to do and what I've always thought about doing, and take it one step at a time, and just put one foot forward, one foot in front of the other, or one actually it was more like one claw in front of the other, up, and try to dig myself out of this hole, and uh, and I just kept focusing on the music, you know, it was really uh, I kept my head down, I didn't really. Uh, I didn't, I didn't quote, fight back, mm. I, just, I just dug into the music and let it grow organically, you
2: know? Yeah. Now, Kip, your audience for your solo stuff is probably a lot of it is the winger fans,
3: right? Oh, but by the way, I want to finish that point. Sure. You, um, the, the point about proving myself, so when I, at 35 I went to study classical music and I thought, you know, there was, I never thought anybody would play my music. I just wanted to learn how to write it, because that's what I wanted. I wanted Mm -hmm. to know how to make the sounds uh, and know how to speak what I heard in my mind and in my heart for the orchestra and just see if I could do it. And uh, the fact that I got performances was just kind of an added bonus. And then when I got a nomination for Grammy for Best Classical Composition, I actually, then I woke up and said, okay, I got nothing left to prove. I think, you know, I was like, you know, uh, I was very proud of that. And I thought, okay, there's not so many people that would be able to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so um, now I'm just trying to go, okay, this is who I am as a writer. It's all of these things. It's not easy to manage. It would be much easier if I had just chosen one, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's not uh, – it's who I am to – to you know forward these different areas that i've developed like my solo stuff is very particular Uh the classical thing the winger and then the the musical came about because i wanted to make a bigger work yeah i wanted to do like a two-hour thing you know with vocals because i thought well i could do this classical and there's melody but i really would like to write for singers because i sing and so um was super rewarding. And the other thing I did on the musical that I'd never done before was write music to existing lyrics. Okay. That's like the Elton John kind of way. I've never done that. I always wrote music and then the words. Okay. So who who's your audience for the for the musical
2: and the classical stuff? Like I'm sure the winger stuff and and your solo stuff is winger fans mostly. But when it comes to the other stuff you're doing, where where do you see your fan base
3: for that? Is it all the winger crowd, or I don't, I don't look for that. Okay, I'm not doing it as a business. Okay, I'm not going. Okay, I'm going to write for my demographic. You know, (laughs) these people are going to love this. That's all entertainment. That's uh, that's bands that go. Okay, we can't do that song because our demographic of fans won't get that. They're going to look. They're going to scratch their heads. I do exactly the opposite. I just do what I want, uh-huh. and if you like it, awesome. And I've taken a lot of uh, the rock fans with me. Yeah, and a lot of them are now going to the symphony and going, "Holy, I, you know, I never uh, knew this even existed." Kind of, you know.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Wh- and what? then I've gained some classical fans that were purely classical. The, the most important thing in the classical world is you have to speak on their terms in their language. Okay, if you can't, you got to leave.
1: Hmm. Uh-huh.
3: And so I was able to, to, to gain some fan base in that world, but I mean, I don't uh, I don't think in that way. I just think, you know what, 300, 400 years from now, my stuff's gonna be there for people to check out, and I'm like, you know, if it's good, it'll hang. If it sucks, no one's gonna care, you know? <laughs> True.
2: Uh, just a final question to finish up with I know Rev is doing a project with Robin Macaulay and Jeff Pilson and, and Matt Starr um, Black other than Swan yeah. what's the name of the band I
3: named the band Black Swan yeah. oh ok they like, what, what should we call it I'm okay. like Black Swan Robin Macaulay
2: couldn't tell me one or two of the other guys in the band couldn't, couldn't tell, tell you me what? the name of the band Oh, Jeff did I just blow it I don't know I can edit that out definitely yeah. announce it Jeff
3: yeah. oh then nobody knows the name of the band no <laughs> really no Oh, well, then... No, i let it let
2: that out. Oh. Um, you did the mob record with Rev and that's the only real project you've done at Frontiers or anyone else ever come to you?
3: Serafino uh, yeah. from Frontiers called me and said, man, could you step in and, and finish this mob record for me? Because, uh, you know, they, they've got some stuff, but it's, it's not, like, totally happening. So I, I said, sure, you know, because he's a really good friend of mine, so... And I, I was not so busy at the time, and uh, I needed the bread, and and I loved it, because I'm a huge Doug Pinnock fan. Oh, yeah. And Kelly Keeke's one, a really good friend. And so it was a fun project to come together, and every time I listened to that, I'm like, man, that was a good album. You should have done another one. I told Reb years ago, you should do a second yeah. one. Yeah. But uh, Frontier's... You see, are... that was mostly Reb, right? Like, yeah. That wasn't me doing uh i wasn't in control of the music i had some musical suggestions did that feel weird being in uh, doing a project with reb and he was more no it's it great because look reb's really reb's extraordinarily musical i mean yeah. he's, he's fully capable of doing his stuff on his own it's just not the winger sound you yeah. Know? yeah it is the winger sound based on his riffs but then i turn it into what we sound like mm. Reb what? on his own has his thing, and it's like you know the the rock version of Reb is largely like the mob. I mean, mm. So what what about you
2: doing a project with collaborating with other musicians? I don't have time. You don't have time. I get asked. Would all, you like? Would you like? To I get it?
3: asked all the time. You'd probably it. like to do it though, would you? You know what? I just don't have the time. Okay, okay. I really don't. It's never going to happen. I mean, you do. It, it would have to be the guys that it, I'd have to be a, I mean, I, there's only a few people I would consider doing it with. And, okay, and. Uh, um I just I, and I've been asked by a few people that I would do it with, but I just I just don't have the time. I'm I have a symphony due in March and then I gotta write a violin concerto for because I'm making an album with them. Wow. And uh, and I just I just don't have the time. I wanna make a new winger album and I'm three songs, four songs into my new solo album. Mm.
2: Do you have a an idea what the winger album's gonna sound like? Is it gonna be a rock record? Is it gonna be like Winger Four? Do, do you talk about that before you I play?
3: do, yeah. No, I want to make a definitive winger album. You know, I want to bring Paul back and, and really... Oh, uh, good. Yeah. So yeah.
2: you're going to have Paul and John and Five Piece?
3: Well, that's the best continuation of the band. We played two two shows this weekend, Five Piece, and it was awesome. Okay. I like that the best because we get two guitars with keyboards, and then you can really cover the music. Oh, yeah, you can do yeah. anything. You can do a witness. And, and, and the thing that I'm... Look... Every time I'm on stage with those guys, I'm pinching myself because I look to my left and there's Reb Beach. And I look behind me and there's Rod Morganstein. I look over there and there's John Roth and all the way over to the end is Paul Taylor. And every single one of those guys is amazing. Yeah. There's no slouch in our band. I mean, they're fucking great, you know. Do you rehearse? No, never. You don't rehearse? Never rehearse? No. (laughs) Uh.
2: Good. So Kip, I'm not keep gonna, it, I'm, keeping it fresh. I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to keep yeah. you here. Well, I'd
3: be happy to do something on, on the phone or something like that. Yeah, you know, I'd
2: it love to do that. I have the email, and I'll okay, contact cool. the person. All so right. thank you very Perfect. much. I Listen, appreciate it. Keep
3: the music coming.
2: Okay, man. Thank All, man. You. All right, take care of yourself. Have a safe flight in the morning. There you go. So, hope you guys
1: enjoyed Richie's talk with uh, with Kip Winger up at the Tupelo Music Hall and. Lovely Derry, New Hampshire, not to be confused with uh, Derry, Maine. There's no
2: it in Derry, New Hampshire. There's Derry, Northern Ireland, too. Is there? Oh, yeah. Uh, That's where uh, you get the name from. You, you rob everything over here. From <laughs> uh. Can I tell you? It's New England. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh,
1: next up is uh, is a chat with the Miles Kennedy. Great to have Miles on the show, and I've always been a, a longtime fan of Alter Bridge. Every album's a little bit different. And this one's a little bit more somber, I think, but uh, they've had some other ones recently that were kind of in this vein. Plus, I'm a real big fan of Tremonti's guitar playing and stuff, too. So it's uh, just, I think, a really cool band all put together and stuff. You know, they're great live. seen them a couple times live
2: as well. Do you have um, Miles' solo record? I never got that. No, no. It's it's supposed to be completely different.
1: Yeah, it's... it's, um, Acoustic. Yeah, I heard a little bit of stuff off it, and I was like, nah, you know, I'm not really... uh, no, I don't really need to be a completist and have this. What do you think of him with Slash? Do great. you like do you like the albums? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. I think the albums are good, but Yeah, I I've even got one of the live videos over there too. Yeah, I yeah. think he does great with Slash. It oh, really he's really complimented. He's each a great other. singer,
2: but the Slash records are too fucking long. <laughs> I think the, the the what's not the last one, the one before it. 17 songs on it. Yeah. 17. Oh. hell? I don't know about the last... I never even got the last one. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's a good album. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of fan of him with Alterbridge. Um, the new album I really enjoyed. The, the the last hero, I thought it was okay. It was good, but oh, this some good songs spoke, on that one. Yeah, this one spoke to me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it's not as long. Uh huh. Alterbridge have a habit as well of doing 14 or 15 song records.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I really like them. Um, it's weird that they're so popular in Europe. And, you know, they're like stadium band in Europe and they're, they're an arena you know, band, yeah. house band, you know, house of blues kind of band here and in, uh, in the States. And uh, it's, it's really weird. It's kind of like, holy crap, America, like wake up, got a great band, like go and freaking see them. You know, maybe they'll play some bigger places and uh, make it easier to get tickets to see yeah, them,
2: you know. I heard for a new, newer, well, they're not new, they're not new, they're 15 years old. And they've been around for a while, yeah. Um, they've gotten to a certain level here. Yeah. And they just haven't broken through. Yeah, um, I don't know why. Does radio make? Oh yeah, not radio makes a big
1: deal on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't even you don't even hear Alter Bridge really on um, on satellite radio.
2: Yeah, I, I figured with the you, you know the three guys that have were out of Creed and Creed were massive here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, huge. Um, maybe it's just it's not the singer. And that's why radio don't play them. I I, I don't know. I can't
1: and put I'll my time. I'll tell you any, on. Any, anyone that I then I like play like Alter Bridge for, and they and they hear the band, they're like, who the hell is this? Mm. And you're like, wait, you know, they've been out forever, kind are, of thing.
3: Are they
2: too heavy for radio? No, because they've got like no. I'm, well, radio radio don't play new bands anyway. You talk that's about
1: songs wrong. like Days Gone By and things, and, and those are those are definitely really radio friendly songs. I just don't I don't get it, but. Uh, and, yeah, they definitely do have some heavy songs, too, but um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. But mm. uh, it's, I mean, I'm, every time they buy an album or every time they put out an album, I buy it. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, being back in high school again. Every time ACDC would put an album out, mm. I
3: remember, I'd buy it, you
2: know? I remember, I think it was the last tour they did, not this record, the one before. And over in the States, they supported Shinedown. Yeah, And when they toured in Europe, Shinedown supported Alter Bridge. Yeah. It completely flipped the other way. Sure. And
1: Shinedown had a shitload of radio play, and they still do.
2: mm
1: mm Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame they're not as big, but uh, we're going to try to change that as uh, Richie talks to, uh, to Miles Kennedy about the brand new
2: Alter Bridge release. Hey, Miles. How you doing?
0: Good, Richie. How you doing,
2: man? I'm good. So is it good morning where you are, or... Where exactly are it's you?
0: Good. It's yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm at home in Spokane, so it's still barely good morning. Okay, I'm just
2: okay. I'm just outside of Boston. Oh, you, cool. Yeah, you can probably tell my from my
0: stopping ground.
2: Yeah, you can probably tell from my accent. I'm from Ireland. Uh, you've played there, haven't you?
0: Right. Ireland.
2: You played Ireland, yeah.
0: Yeah, we have a few. Uh, I've done it with Alter Bridge and with Slash a few times. love it there.
2: Okay. When you get out on the road. Um, do you like to get out and see the sights, or are you someone who wants to stay in a controlled environment, like to protect your voice? You don't want to go with allergies and stuff like that.
0: Um, yes, I used to try and check things out a little bit more, but, um, I've become a little more, um, confined in my, in my, uh, um, I guess in a sense that, yeah, I just want to, I want to stay healthy and avoid getting sick and, all that stuff. Also, I just love to sit in my hotel room and play guitar all day. So what better, what a better way to kill time.
2: Yeah. Talking to guitars. I, I always ask the guitarist this question. Uh, how many guitars do you think you have in your house? And I asked this to Mark as well.
0: Oh, in my house? Yeah. That I have no, I have no idea. Um, I have things spread out between the various bands and different warehouses. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got, I've probably got over, I don't know, I probably have 20 or so at home here.
2: Are you a collector?
0: I am. Okay. Yeah, I am. I've started, I started getting into that over the last few years because I've noticed what a difference it makes for um, songwriting. When it, when you have in, instruments that like, it's, it's really about discovery, you know, it's about you know, you play an old vintage instrument and it brings certain elements out of you that you wouldn't necessarily get from contemporary instruments. So it's it's been very helpful there.
2: Hmm. When you're writing for Alter Bridge, is there any particular guitar that you like to write on?
0: Well, on the last record, um, I started off with a, um, a PRS signature, which I don't think they make anymore, but uh, I I acquired one of those... About nine years ago it's a great sound of guitar and I actually I wrote um, what ended up becoming native Sun on that guitar um, and then a lot most of the rest of the record was actually written on uh, a high, a fender <laughs> highway one telecaster uh, that I took around with me while I was on the road and um, tour with. And that ended up becoming, biggest, you know, the, the most most of the stuff on this new record that I wrote um, was written on that guitar.
2: Yeah, and when you're bringing the songs in now, your six albums in, um, as the way you presented your ideas changed? Like, are you bringing in now more fully formed ideas, or are you just bringing in the bare bones of a song and then collaborating to get the song done? Yeah,
0: on about 80% of the songs that uh, Mark and I brought in uh, things, uh, demos that were pretty much hashed out and, and for the most part ready to go. Um, it, where we used to get together and 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 essentially take various parts and put them together that each of us had so each guy felt like they were a part of the song. And because of our schedule uh, and the amount of touring we were each doing, we weren't able to do that. But we, I think we're both happy with how it turned out and I'm sure we'll do more of this in the future.
2: Yeah. Um. Does lyric writing come easier now for you?
0: Yeah, I feel like it it comes easier. Um I think all but all of the writing, whether it's writing riffs or lyrics or melodies, I think I've been doing it for so long. Um it, it it's become a muscle that is um It's utilized enough to where I I don't feel like the the atrophy ever really sets in. So as long as I'm continuing to use it, I feel like it it makes the process easier when I dive in.
2: Mm. Now, Miles, you're someone who you're constantly busy. You're either Alter Bridge, you did a solo record, you're out with Slash. um, And you're you're on schedules all the time. Uh, Have you ever had writer's block?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a... I think every writer goes through it at some point. Um, and it's, it's always scary because you always are afraid, Oh geez, what if the well has been tapped and there's nothing left? Yeah. Um, so you have, you have to, you know, keep your wits and, and, and not uh start getting too stressed out um, because that will make the process even worse. Um, but uh, fortunately it hasn't happened in a few years. So I'll <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, but you're a band now Alter bridge like you've always released uh 14 15 song records um do you deliberately go in when you're doing a new project with Alterbridge bridge and say right we're going to write that many songs or would you actually prefer maybe to have an old school approach and say right 10 or 11 songs and we're done
0: i think because mark and i are both um so we, we both of us love to write so much, and we always end up having way more than we need. Um, it's hard to whittle it down to just 10 songs because you get kind of attached to your what you bring in. So I know that I was certainly open for keeping this new record shorter. Um, but when it was all said and done, we had so many songs, it was really hard to, to make the cut. So we just decided to do you
2: know, 14. Mm. Now this record reminds me a little bit more of that. My favorite Alter bridge record, which is the third one. It's a little bit more dark. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Do you, do you go in with Mark when you're writing and say, right, we're going to write a darker record or do you just write songs?
0: We just write songs. Yeah. I really just, um, you, if you, if you try and, and, uh, set up the parameters to where, um, especially when it comes to moods, that could be, you can box yourself in. But then, you know, the one thing we did agree on was that we wanted to bring certain textures into this record, but that's more of a production element as opposed to the actual songwriting. Um, so yeah, it's the, the way this, uh, the way every record usually ends up working and out is you're just, you're uh, just trying to capture that moment and um, not overthink it.
2: Mm. Um, I'm curious to know, have you, have you listened to Mark's uh, work with Tremonti, and the reason I'm asking you is, if you have, have you ever listened to maybe one or two of the ideas he's put on that and said, damn, you should have kept that for Alterbridge? Yeah, we you know,
0: we both have done that. Um, I, I, he said this I, he said the same thing when he heard the solo record. <laughs> I remember he was sitting with me. He said, oh shoot, you know what? <laughs> but if, and it certainly happened with 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 me as, as well. Hearing his records, but that, that's a hard. It's, it's a really hard decision to make when you're trying to figure out what's going to go where. You know where each song is going to find their home, and sometimes you just have to say, you know what, this song. I want this song to go on. You know this project and. And um when your bandmates hear it if they if they say we should have saved it for for you know our record, um, then you you just uh you know <laughs> you deal with it if it comes and try not to stress about it.
3: Mm.
2: Now Miles, you're six six albums in again with the band. What's been the hardest record to do with them out of all of them?
0: Blackbird was very challenging, um, because we were in the middle of trying to figure out some business things like which label we were going to end up doing the record for. And it was a very long process. I mean, I think we spent probably 18 months writing that record. Um, there was just a lot of unknowns. And uh, I think that added a little bit of a, a little bit of stress to making that record. But at the end of the day, I think we all were very happy with how it turned out. And I arguably, it, um, it helped, um, uh, there, are the probably the most important song in the catalog which is blackbird so um so yeah it's uh, i wouldn't change that
3: mm.
2: now you seem to have mark sing a song on all the records over the last few um tell me about deciding that is that something you suggest to mark or does mark put his hand up and say i'd like to try and sing this one
0: yeah, most of the time it's Elvis and I sitting in the studio when we got all the songs and just looking at each other and going, you know, this, this, this particular song has Mark written all over it and let's ask him if he wants to do it. And that's um, with Forever Falling on a New Record, uh, Water's Rising. It's just those songs just have that Mark sound and it and it's, to me it's usually pretty obvious where you know, what that song is going to be. Um, and I also, it's great for me because it means I get to take a break if we play it <laughs> in the set. of give my voice a little rest.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, Miles, when when you do that song in the studio and Mark sings it, th- do you play on that at all?
0: I am in intense pain, Pinky. Hey, Miles.
2: Hey. It's, sorry, been, a, it's been a while. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. The question I was asking, and I don't know whether you heard me, was uh the song that Mark sings on the record, do you actually
0: play on that? Yeah, you yeah, do. I still, I still play guitar, and yeah, we all play. We, you know, on every song, regardless of who sings, everybody everybody plays.
2: Okay, um, I want to talk about one of the songs on the record, and to me, it sounds a little bit different to what you've normally done, especially in the in the verses. Um, indoctrination. It's like, you're spe- mm-hmm. it's like you're speaking the verses in that. It's kind of a different right. approach.
0: Yeah, it, I felt like it was needed to be almost um, to kind of draw you in and be a, a little ominous and uh, spooky. So that was the uh, that was the the choice for that. It just kind of happened naturally. I remember mean, when, I, when I came with the music for it, and, and I was in a hotel room, and I just started. Kind of speaking this melody, and I, I felt like it was it suited it.
2: Mm. And the other song I want to ask about is uh, "Godspeed." Um, who's that written about? Is it someone in particular? That was
0: written, yeah. That was written out of a friend of the band, and it was a good friend of Mark's, name was Seth Luker, and he passed away after a, a long battle of cancer. And, and so that was a, a tr- you know a tribute to him that Mark wrote, which, which uh, I think is really beautiful. You know, he was a he was a, a wonderful soul.
2: For sure, mm. and and tell me about the the first song on the record. It's more or less an introduction. One life, mm-hmm. one life. Can you tell me how that all came about?
0: Yeah, that came, that actually came about, uh, last year. uh, It's kind of, once again, it was brought about by some kind of sad thing, but I, I just lost my dog. And so I was noodling around, uh, in my studio and, and came up with the the music for that just to kind of, you know, take me out of the, the bummer of losing my, you know, my pet. So that was a, that was, a, it seemed like a perfect introduction to, to kind of unveil the record when we heard everything kind of in, once it was getting shaping up to be done.
3: Mm.
2: And what was the hardest song to write on the record? It was the one that stands out above all the rest of them where it re, you really took a while to get it nailed down?
0: Well, wouldn't you rather was challenging to just to come up with the track, the track that checked that box. Um, that was written uh, towards the end. And, and it was, you know, it was it was a little bit of an arduous process to finally stumble onto that one. But once once the once it was there, then it it wrote itself. It came together pretty quickly. But just getting that kind of song in the arsenal took a little while. Miles,
2: hmm. well, I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Um, when did you get a sense with Alter Bridge that you were becoming bigger in Europe than you were in the U.S.?
0: Pretty much from the beginning uh, when we first uh, played there. We were scratching our heads going, wow, that we seem to be received differently over here than in the U.S. There seem to be more people and they're really into it. And um, so it was, we knew we knew from the get-go and we're, we're grateful, to say the least.
2: Mm. Um, you've worked on a lot of albums now with Michael mm-hmm. H- Um How do you avoid complacency with him? Because at this stage, you can probably finish each other's sentences that right. you know what I mean like you need a little bit of stress in the studio and, and maybe a producer might have one way of getting a performance out of you that Lonnie work once um, like you, you obviously work well with him but I'm just curious how, how how do you avoid complacency
0: I think because everybody's still so hungry I think that's the main thing um, and he's still obsessed with making records I, I mean he doesn't sleep. he he stays up all night um, working that's just all he ever does he never leaves you know he never leaves the confines of the studio so um, if I sense that he'd rather be off you know buying fancy cars and living the, the rock star life then that would be a different story but he's still just as passionate as the day I met him when he was a kid.
2: Mm. And final question for me Miles is there a venue that stands out here where you stood on the stage And maybe it was a live album that you heard when you were as as a kid that was recorded there or a show you were at where you had to pinch yourself and say, wow, I'm actually standing on this stage. Oh, geez. There have been so
0: many. Um, I mean, I think the Royal Albert Hall was a big one. Yeah. You know, that was definitely. Yeah, for sure. So much history there. Okay.
2: Miles, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you?
0: Sure. Yeah. You can check us out at uh, altarbridge.com um, and official Miles Kennedy. Uh, if, if the Insta, or Insta is the kids call it. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, Facebook and Twitter and the yeah, official Miles Kennedy.
2: Okay. Well, Miles, it's been a pleasure. The new album, Walk the Sky, is brilliant.
0: Thank you, Rich. I appreciate uh, it. All right. Great talking with you.
2: Great talking to you. And have a, have a good time in Europe. I think that's where you're off to next, isn't it?
0: We are. We are.
2: Okay. Have a great time over there.
0: Thank you, brother.
2: All right. Take care of yourself. All
0: right.
2: You too. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. bye right. And there you go.
1: You found everything you need to know all about that, uh, about that new Walter Bridge album. And uh, thanks again to Miles for coming on the show. And uh, very cool to, to have him on. But uh, this is a wrap for not only uh, 2019. I'm almost ready to start calling it 2020 already. But also uh, before we uh, head off to our annual winter break, which I think is uh Well deserved. It's been a crazy couple of months.
2: We managed to do forty-seven shows, maybe. We took four weeks off and four, eight weeks off. Correct? Yeah, roughly.
1: It's all blends
2: together. Yeah, (laughs) I think we actually came back early. I think we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Well, you came back early, but it was uh, (laughs) it was it's yeah.
1: But yeah, so if, you, uh, if you're if you looking for us at this time next week, um, well, we won't be here. Well, we'll, we'll be
2: here. Yeah, we, we won't, won't be here. here.
1: But uh, yeah, hopefully uh, recovering from, from the holidays a little bit and uh, just trying to stretch out a bit and, and get a little bit of, bit of relaxation. I'll, I'll see whether that happens or not. I know it's still end of the year stuff and day job stuff gets crazy. I'm sure it does for you as well. But uh, and then, of course, you've got kids on vacation to
2: add to that <laughs> so uh, thanks for bringing that up <laughs> but the stuff never end ends the requests for interviews and, mm. and that, it, i'm st- I, I got the day we're recording this i got offered six bands mm. yeah. and that's just in one day yeah uh, it just doesn't stop these yeah. bands do not stop yeah. putting out music
1: yeah i mean it's I mean, in one way, it's good that we've got a reputation and they're coming to us and all that. But on the other hand, you know, again, you got there's life, and it'd be one thing if if we were making all kinds of revenue off of this.
2: We and, don't make a dime on it,
1: and yeah, we don't make a dime off of this. So this is all this is all done separate, and uh, you know, so, so you definitely you got to have those breaks every every uh, you know couple of months just to just to recharge and make sure that you're you know you're doing the right things. And um, yeah, so I, I'm definitely looking forward to, to having a few weeks off and uh and recharging and come back with uh with a little bit of energy as well.
2: And we'll come back and we'll have audio till May. Probably. <laughs> probably, yeah.
1: It's 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 crazy. But uh yeah,
2: it's uh wow, well, it's been another year has flown by. It's been fun. You know. It's been fun. We've been able to pull it off and there's been times I've been amazed. Yeah, well, people even ask like, "Oh, you do?
1: Oh, you do a show? You know, well, have well, you been doing it for a year or so, or whatever?" And it's like,
2: "No, I've been doing it for like over ten years." Yeah, I'm, and they're like, "What?" I'm seven, eight, seven or eight years. Yeah, co-hosting. I don't get down here as often as I'd like, but you know, I do the interviews separate. I send them to you. you've, yeah. you've edited the whole show yourself, and then you you post it. So we're literally. On the same show, doing everything completely separate, uh-huh. and we live in the same town, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is that's, crazy. It's
1: crazy, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it works. But uh, yeah, but you know, in the meantime, you know, if you come back next week, you see, oh, you know, that's right, they're on break. You know, go and uh, check out some of our other buddies. You know hit up and 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 uh go listen to wiki metal or you can go and listen to shockwave skull sessions with our buddy bob yes you can geek. go over with our friends at decibel geek and you know chris and aaron will uh give you all your weekly dose right there just don't get addicted to them because it's a damn good show come back to us when we come back from break and then also you know mars attacks and uh Talk even yep and radioactive metal so we got a whole bunch of other folks that are within our sphere that uh, we'd love to have you go and, and check out. They're all great shows, and uh, we're all worth your time. So if uh, if you're craving something while we're on break, then uh, you know definitely go check out some of our buddies out there as well. They're all good people, all great shows, uh, and you could also just go back to FocusOnMetal.net, and if you're you know you're new to the show or whatever, just dig back through the episodes, and you'll see you know. Over 10 years worth of stuff there that you can dig through and, and listen to. and
2: 10 years worth of audio.
1: Yeah. So, it's, uh, so, so have at it. And, uh, and then we'll see you again back uh, well, January, February, whenever the heck it is we. Uh, Early Feb. You know, decide to, to, to fire up the mixing board again.
2: And we are coming back. This is another thing we always say when we break <laughs> we don't break and then fuck off and not come back. We always come back. And yeah. we will be back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Unless we get run over by a bus. (laughs) 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 Yeah, definitely
1: like Richie said, I I know there's been plenty of shows, even shows I listen to that I get into, and they're like, yeah,
2: we'll be back in a few weeks, and then you never hear from them again. You can understand why they do it, though. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People people go into doing shows like ours, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know this is going to be great, Uh and we're going to do it every week. And then, after a couple of weeks, they skip a week, yeah, yeah, and then they skip two weeks, and then they don't come back, <laughs> yeah, I know, well, we put a work. lot of
1: work in, but i you know i got I have to give props too that you know st- when we started the show back with uh, with Mandy and with dario and and you know it was almost kind of like how you and I operate where you know we were doing stuff here, but we were sending stuff to them with you know one person being in Utah, and then Dario being up in Winnipeg. And he would do kind of like this Sunday night, like crash course in brain surgery to get it all done. So he could be all topical up to the minute and they would, and it was, I mean, the amount of work and insanity he did to put that in is pretty much orders of magnitude over what we do. I, I, I got to give him props for it. He did, he did an amazing job when he was, when he was doing that chunk of it. And, uh, you know, I don't know how he did it every single week, but that might have also been why he finally just, uh, his last episode was called Beer, Spatula, and Death. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it is a lot of work. So, we, you know,
2: we do the discussion stuff sometimes. Yeah. And I'm praying nothing changes between us doing the discussion part. Yeah. And the show airing. Uh uh-huh. That something completely different happens that fucks everything up we yeah. discussed. Yeah. Um, We've been pretty lucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, ideally, I'd like to do the discussion r- about right before we air the show, but yeah, it just doesn't happen right. li- like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the classic metal show guys did it was six hour live show. Right. We, what would it take for us to do a live show? Yeah. Would it be? It might be a fucking nightmare. I don't know. We've never attempted it.
1: Yeah, that might be a clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely might be a clusterfuck. <laughs> I don't know. I just know from doing radio, just you know, you're doing three or four hours of live radio, and yeah,
2: it's they do six hours. On yeah, it. they do an amazing job on it. Like Chris and Neely have been listening to them for years, but mm-hmm. you know, we we do the stuff. We record it. We you edit it up and we air it. Like they yeah. do a live show. I
1: think that, I think record. part of what you know what Chris and Neely have going for them is no different than a band is they have a huge fan base, great chemistry, you know, too, and too. by the way, go listen to the classic metal show on break too, um, you know, and, and they have a huge fan base, but they have a huge fan base that participates. Yeah, they got so, a chat room so it's and like everything. having a great band with a great audience, right? And you feed off of that audience's energy, and they and you they do the same thing with their audience they, every freaking week. They have week. callers, Don't exactly, call and every time someone calls in and they say saying "hail and kill," the it, It's just like another shot of adrenaline <laughs> for them, you know. So it, it's 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 different when you when you have that level of of loyalty and participation, um, and people calling in purely for the thrill of being shit on, then you know. It, that's part of how they can do a six-hour show.
2: Do you know anyone who started podcasting and then ended up doing live podcasting? Do you know anyone who's done it? Um, I don't. I thought... Did I, Victor
1: do it? Uh, I was trying to think whether it was Victor or Aaron. One of them One of them might have tried Mark to do Striggle? it.
2: Mark mm, Striggle? Talking
1: Metal, no? No, I don't think Mark ever did that. I mean, they did that Talking Metal live I think Joshua thing. Toomey does it. Um, keto but i'm trying to th- i think aaron was was trying to do that and doing it all on an iPod too i mean uh, an iPad. um I think he was doing
2: it for a little bit it's it's
1: it's a kind of a you know risky move okay
2: in so, what way you, see i'm not i'm not i couldn't do it because I wouldn't know how to fucking start when it comes to technology well you I'm do it terrible. live,
1: but then if you don't have if you don't have the people that are participating then you're kind of like well um, now I'm just kind of sitting here, like talking to myself, kind of thing, you know. Okay. So it's 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 tougher that way.
2: Okay. All right. You can't edit the live show. So if you fuck up, you fuck up. Uh huh. Yeah. That's great, isn't it? You can't use backing tracks.
1: <laughs> no, you can't. No, <laughs> no backing <laughs> tracks. You can't lip sync. No. 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 No pod syncing. No.
2: Oh fucking hell! We could be here all night talking.
1: We could. But anyways, uh, what do you say we uh, we wrap up 2019? Hope that, uh, you know, the week this is airing is, you know, the holidays going on. But definitely hope you guys have a great holiday out there, great metal holiday, and also, uh, you know, great New Year's and all that. And, uh, you know, Richie and I will see you again in, in 2020 uh, as he's uh, intimated. Got lots of stuff lining up already and I've actually even got a couple things of audio that uh, we didn't even get a chance to play yet this year that aren't time sensitive cool history type stuff that uh, is waiting for you as well so uh, yeah we got lots of lots of good reasons to be back and uh, lots of good stuff to, to come back to you with
2: thank you for listening
1: yeah definitely definitely thanks it. for listening but uh, anyways uh, for this week for myself and me,
2: and I'll see you in February.
1: <laughs> that uh, That's a wrap for this week. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everyone else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great middle week. And until we talk to you again, remember...
0: Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Uh...